say that. Jerry and I uh, celebrated two milestones. Was it last? I guess it was last year, Jerry. Yes, 75 and 50. 75 and 50. Uh, Jerry's 75. Mm-hmm. I'm 50. Just just in case you guys didn't know. There's any confusion. <laughs> yeah, any confusion. Uh, I will tell you back on the circuit, you know, we're back out at the conferences and I, every almost every person I walked up to was like, oh, you got a little more gray right there. And I thought, you know, I didn't miss any of you. I didn't miss any of you. <laughs> Working from home. <laughs> Any, um, you know, oh, go ahead. Jerry. Where did we, where did we celebrate, Chris? Uh, we were at Burning Man. Yeah. We were oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Third, third round at Burning Man, actually. That's awesome. Yeah. It didn't, didn't suck. Yeah. It was pretty great. <laughs> uh, although the weather is a lot nicer this year, I hear it's being much nicer to everybody that's there. We're missing it this year. So, so, so everybody gets my, you don't have to say which milestone. Uh, do, do you have a, does anybody have a milestone birthday this year or right, right around? I did have a milestone birthday this year. So just turned 40. This is a big year, turned 40, 10 year anniversary, all in the same year. Um, so lots of fun things we celebrated in St. Bart's. So, um, yeah, it was great. It was right before I was impacted in my prior role. And so, it was great celebration to um, to have right before that. But yeah, it was great. My husband and I and another couple. Cool. Good for Fun. you. Checking off the bucket list. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, great. Brandy, what about you? You got a you got a milestone here or there? You're doing something for it. So I I had a milestone birthday last June. So um, three girlfriends and I all turned thirty within like a week and a half of each other because we were all like. June 17th, June 20th, and June 29th. And so the three of us went out to Rhode Island in Newport because we'd never been and we toured around and saw the area. Um, But I think my favorite milestone birthday was when I was 21 in Paris and I turned 21 while we were in Paris. So I feel like that's like my epitome milestone birthday. That's pretty cool. Did you do that by design? We did do that by design. Uh, a girlfriend and I were backpacking after we graduated college early at 20, and we were both turning 21 in June. So I turned 21 in Paris, and then she turned 21 in Nice, France. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love that. Well, that so that makes this kind of interesting, right? So we have yeah. 30, 40, 50, and 70. 75. Yeah. So, so, so I was trying not to jump. I was seventy wise. Yeah. I seventy wise, Jerry. Seventy wise. Well, for sure, he's crushing it. He's crushing the age. But the point being, we have some perspectives here that are that are representative of the topic we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Well, are we ready to get going? Yep. Let's do it. Ready. Okay. Here we go. Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another Recruiting Community Podcast. Uh, I am your host today. I'm, I'm just going to be Chris Hoyt today as we kick this off. Uh, no made-up names, but I am going to be the only person on the show today that has a Dolly Parton shirt on, and you're just going to have to deal with it. I am going to bring in my partner in crime, Mr. Jerry Crispin. Jerry, how are you today? 
I just noticed the Dolly Parton thing. Yeah, isn't it great? Okay. It's great. I think it says, originally, when I went to pick it out, I thought it said F around and find out, uh, which is a famous, here, it's a famous Dolly Parton quote, but I think it actually says, find what you love and then do, do more. I think it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fun shirt. Uh, but, but, but with that, uh, how are you today? You're doing well? I am. I'm, I'm feeling really good. It was uh, a good day. Lots of interesting things happening. And I enjoyed the, uh, the earlier version of Community Up where we had uh, a whole host of folks that were uh, supporting each other. So it was kind of cool. We did. We did. It's a good call out. So you mentioned that. Let's explain to folks who maybe don't know uh, what Community Up is. You do a much more elegant uh, explanation of that than I do. Why don't you take it away and I'll, I'll throw the URL up on the screen. No, I don't. But I, sure you do. Sure you do. But, uh, but you know, we, we, we got to a point, I think, where where we as a community felt that we had to walk the talk, you know? I mean, uh, this this whole issue with people in transition is is an issue for us, um, not only currently, but I think long-term. And so we, we basically launched a program where those folks who are leaders in talent acquisition and in transition, we offered them free membership uh, to participate and build relationships and learn from each other. And I think it adds value for them during the course of that transition. Yeah, and it's been fun because we've met some folks uh, that we have known quite some. In fact, we might have a five-time alumni uh, <laughs> with us today. We met some folks that we have seen even within a membership, and then we met some folks that we had never we had never interacted with before, who are just re really great people. And I, it should be called out. And I don't know if I said it on the call earlier. We interviewed over two hundred plus people yeah. uh, for consideration for this, and I think we landed at around forty or so. Uh, that we felt met the criteria of community, what we call community and, and work family, uh, really cared about the industry. We we're willing to share about that work uh, and, re and really, and I'll steal this from you, Jerry, and really just show up. These were people yeah. that were willing to show up. And, uh, and even those that can't take as much advantage of our community uh, for their, their period of transition. So those, those other 160, uh, we offered a lot of other ideas and and resources that we are building yes. uh, for them as well. So yeah, nobody left in the corner. No one, no one left alone. All, all, everybody that we spoke to got got resources, and we we still do talk to. They just they weren't put in this program, but they were most definitely assisted. hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so let's do this. Let's bring in. We have two fantastic guests uh, who have some success stories in kind of a challenging challenging time. So I'm going to bring them in from the green room. I'm the, the puppet master of the, of the podcast. Uh, let, let's start. We'll just go top left. It's my Brady Bunch grid that's on the screen. And let me, a quick reminder, I forgot to say I got so excited. Uh, if you're watching us uh, and, and you're on LinkedIn and seeing this stream on LinkedIn, there is a chat uh, feature that's there. So drop a question in there, share your LinkedIn profile. Uh, let us know that you saw this. Say hello. Uh, you're going to be able to connect with uh, both of our guests today as well as Jerry and I. Uh, and we, we come back to those. So if we see that a note's been added, even after it live streamed or even after we were we were on the air, uh, we do come back and we follow up with those. So feel free to drop a note in there. Say hello to everybody. So with that, uh, Jessica, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Chris? I'm good. I'm good. And Brandy, how are you doing? Good. Good. All right. We're glad both of you could join us. We're going to start with you, Jessica, really quickly. Uh, why don't you give us sort of an escalator pitch of who is Jessica Willard? How long have you been in TA? Uh, and and we'll, we'll kind of take it from there. Tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Sure. Um, thanks for having me today. Uh, Jessica Willard, I'm based in Charlotte, North Carolina. I have been in talent acquisition for about 17 years. Um, spent my first 11 years in early talent, um, started with Target Corporation, and then moved on to Ingersoll Rand, uh, working in early talent there before supporting uh, train commercial for that business. Moved over to Lowe's and did high volume hourly during the pandemic, which was an incredible experience and had an opportunity to help build out talent on the acquisition at Bass Pro Shops. Um, still a little secret squirrel, but I will be joining Wells Fargo in September, back on the early I'm Really excited to be here. You even got background music for that. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brandy, why, uh, why don't you take center stage? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Chris. And thanks again for having me today. Um, it, uh, it's been a fun career. So I started in talent acquisition about 10 years ago in the uh, agency and staffing world with Lucas Group, uh, which unfortunately no longer exists. Uh, Corn Ferry has now absorbed them. Uh, but they, uh, I specialized in headhunting, HR, and uh, talent acquisition professionals and then came over to the dark side of corporate, as we used to call it, an agency, um, about five years ago. And so I've spent my last about four and a half years in the tech whirlwind of talent acquisition, which has been super fun, um, until I was most recently uh, laid off from Poshmark uh, about in February of 2023, but luckily um, jumped back into the game of talent acquisition by May. Um, and now in a completely different industry of securing America's future with the Nevada national security sites. So um, I've gotten a taste of a lot of different industries, which has been super fun. I love that. Look, so so both of you um, uh, have landed at some pretty solid organizations and you were you were caught up in this big era of transition, this, you know, this big point where a lot of really, really hardworking uh, and well-qualified leaders uh, and TA practitioners just just sort of got stuck looking for work. Uh, in many cases, got swept up in that. So, I guess my my question to each of you and Brandy, we, we can come back to you because you spoke last. Was there a in in that search? Was there really a surprising uh, challenge that you faced while sort of looking in this this crazy weird market that we're in? Was there was there was it was it a shock to you? Was it much harder to find the work? Like, just was there an aha or an OMG moment that you share? Yeah, um, actually, for a couple of different uh, situations, um, I had known other people that were hiring in talent acquisition, uh, and the vast majority of them were like, I have 1500 resumes to look through. I have 3000 resumes to look through. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to get through all these individuals. And it had been very rare that even when I've posted to have people join my team in talent acquisition that I would ever get 1,500 or 3,000 resumes for a recruiter position uh, per se. So I think that was the aha slash, oh my God, what am I going to do to compete against 3,000 other resumes? Um, and, and it really just came down to more networking like with people like yourself and Community Up or others that I had worked with in the past or at SHRM uh, in general. And luckily, that is kind of how I found a role was my networking through people I had known at SHRM previously that were hiring here locally in Las Vegas. 
my God. I don't think I ever would have imagined someone saying, hey, SHRM, help me help me find a recruiting job. <laughs> right. I, you could not have paid me to say that um, a long time <laughs> yeah, ago. Yeah, it's surprising. But it was a random contact that was working at this company that I had met at SHRM here in Las Vegas four years ago. Fabulous. It tells, you that, it tells you that it, you have to look everywhere. You have to look everywhere. <laughs> yeah. No stone unturned, yeah. No stone unturned. So, just, so you knew it was bad, but once you were in the space, you, you felt it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's tough. Je Jessica, how about you? Was was there an OMG or an, an aha moment for you in, in, in your search? Yeah, I think that there were, there were many that I could share with you. I think the really pivotal change in this job search was the number of companies that are requiring a hybrid or in-office situation. And so that certainly limits the number of opportunities that are, that are available if you're not open to relocate. And so that really narrowed my search down to staying in Charlotte and working for companies that would have um, really kind of the culture, the type of role, um, the commuting distance, all of the things that would be relevant um, and workable for me and my family. But I think that that was the real big um, difference in this job market and challenge in finding a role was um, how the market is shifting after COVID more back into an office or hybrid preference. Yeah, interesting. So m most people would think early days, right, when all of this started, is that it would be easier because everybody's working remote in that place. But, but, but not the case. You were almost back to back to old school days when you had to talk about, well, where would I be willing to pick my family up and, and sort of transplant to? Absolutely. And for me, it was hugely different because I was telling my new boss, I've never actually been required to be in an office in 17 years. So like, how would this work for me? Right. And so I think that there's a lot of people out there that are really trying to figure out what that means for them and their families and childcare dynamics, et cetera. Um, as you know, companies are starting to announce their their policies. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jessica, has that job search experience? All and I know you said you had many things to share, but has that job search experience influenced maybe how you will approach leading parts of TA or or people within TA? Has there been a fundamental shift at all? Or are you like nah, but, but you know, back to normal, back to work? No, I don't think there's any back to normal, right? I've done a lot of reflection over the, the last several months on my experience. I think one of the things that actually also surprised me were the number of job descriptions that weren't fully accurate as part of the process. And so as a TA leader um, and in engaging with talent, I think it's just so critical that the process, whether it's short or long, is representative of helping a candidate fully understand what the role is, how they'll be spending their time, how they'll be making a difference, answering all of their questions. And while I know there's a lot of complaints out there right now of like six, seven interviews and you should only have two or three, I found myself in processes where I was at the end and I didn't really understand the job. Right. And so there was this need to rush through it. And I was like, well, time out. Like, I need you to slow down. Um, and so I think just as a TA leader, making sure that as people, whether they're business leaders, TA leaders, HR leaders are going through these processes with candidates that we're not trying to put a butt in a seat 
and we're really trying to slow down to be thoughtful around right candidate, right place, right time. Yeah, I, I, I hear you saying at first, at first I heard you say that the job description, and in my mind, I was yeah. thinking the, po the posting that you applied yeah. to was bad. And then I'm thinking, yeah, so what? It's always bad. Like that's a one thing that's just never fixed. Yeah. <laughs> but then you're like, we just haven't. We haven't. 30 years I've been in TA, job descriptions are still shit. I mean, they're just, they're not great. So yeah. by and large, but, but then what I heard you say, and that, that changed it a little bit for me in my yeah. perspective is you were talking about through the process, it still wasn't clear. No. So, I mean, there were times where I thought the job description was actually more clear than the process. And then you get into the process and you're like, oh yeah, no, this isn't exactly what this means. This is something totally different, which then those six conversations I had had, I was like, oh, Okay, so actually, I probably do need another several more conversations to feel confident in accepting an offer. Um, I was really fortunate. Wells Fargo had a really wonderful process. My recruitment um, leaders were great. And actually, I ended up accepting a role that I hadn't started an interview process for. I was interviewing for something else, got to the final round, and you know, kind of it was one of those situations where she was like, I think you'd be better fit over here, which was great for me because it was a role that I was more interested in. So, you know, I think there is an art and a science behind this whole process and the speed in which a process goes can really benefit or hinder that matchmaking that happens. It also seems there should be some clarity around who's responsible for what decision. Sure. I mean, there's the decision the employer has to make as to whether you can do the job, whatever that job happens to be. But there's also then an, an important decision you have to make sure. that that this is a job I want to do, you know. Absolutely. It's a two-way street. Well, and so Wells has been... Um... Wells Fargo has been a, a member of ours for years uh, and we love the TA team there. But I, I will say that it sounds to me like a testament that people were listening because one of the big complaints always hear is recruiters aren't listening. But if you had a recruiter and in the, at the end of the process, it says, oh, but wait, maybe not this job, but we may have another one because of something I heard you say or some skills that I've seen here or some like they're paying attention to the process. I think it speaks volumes for Wells, but it, it does kind of make you realize that, you know, the other five interviews I did for this organization over here, just that they got a, they got a long way to go. Sure. The maturity in the TA space from company to company, doesn't matter how big or small it is. I mean, it runs the, the gamut. So, yeah. Well, uh, Brandy, let's ask you, is your recent job search experience, has it, has it influenced uh, any changes in maybe your approach to TA? Uh, I think it reaffirms more than it changes that I think transparency is still the number one thing that has to happen in a, an experience. And similar to what Jessica was saying is if you're not telling people what the process is throughout each step, if you're not prepping your candidates, if you're not debriefing with your candidates, if you're not connecting from the get-go, um, you're going to lose talent or you're going to lose interest and people will always reflect that back on your brand and your employer brand in general. And so there were a lot of companies that would say, oh yeah, I'm going to schedule an interview with you. And then I was just straight up ghosted and never heard from again. And all I needed was a, Hey, actually we decided to go in a different direction. You're, you don't live where I want you to live or whatever it may be. Right. Like there's always a reason why we might be rejecting somebody and it's, it's not that the rejection piece is the bad part. It's the not knowing 
what happened at all. And so the amount of ghosting that happened, if I can eliminate that as much as possible within my current organization, then just getting everyone a transparent answer of yes, you're still in the process or no, you're not. I think that's that's been reaffirmed uh, throughout the the search process that I had this this spring. Well, I love that. But you know, some some would argue that because we are hearing that across the board from from TA folks who are looking for work, the, the ghosting is a real issue. But some would argue that that we as an industry have been doing that to candidates since the dawn of time. From the dawn of time, yeah. Do, do we think that that our perspective at large, because we have hundreds, if not thousands, of TA leaders and TA influencers who are looking for work and now feeling that pain, mm-hmm. uh, do, do we think that's going to change or do you think we're going to go back to business as usual? Anybody? I think... I think it somewhat depends. Again, I don't know how you get back to 3000 people on a job posting, no matter who that is um, efficiently. I hope that there's a way to have a sourcing process or a talent partner or a talent coordinator that can make sure that everyone receives an email to that. But do I think that's realistic all the time? I don't know. And you're probably going to have 10% of ghosting naturally happen no matter what. But if we can change it from being 60 and 70% of ghosting down to 10 or 20%, I think that's a realistic thing that we could prevent as an industry. Yeah, Jessica, what's your take? Yeah, you know, I think it's inevitable that it'll happen, right? I, I just think saying it'll never happen again isn't realistic. I do think you know, I feel for recruiters out there right now, there are an incredible amount of applicants and it you can't be everything to everybody. And so I think it then goes back to the transparency and having really good routines around organization and keeping your candidates warm and companies investing in CRMs, right? Like making sure that we have the tools for the recruiters to really put candidate experience first um, and really be thoughtful around turnaround times and transparency and process. But I, I don't know if we can ever say never. I just think that we need to be better, right? Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that's fair. All right, so I'm a realist, so, Chris. <laughs> I think the technology is a is a big it helper is. in that. And I, Brandy makes a great point. Like when when you just have when you're not staffed properly, right? Yeah. And when when your folks are just worked to the bone. There's no way that they can physically get to each of them themselves. That's why we have technology. That's why we have automations. And, and that does come from uh, those buying decisions don't happen at a recruiter level, right? That Those come at a leadership level. Uh, and sometimes it's outside of even the TA leaders um, uh, purview. Like they, they don't get to be the check writer for the, the solution and they're stuck with what they're stuck with and just trying to make the best of it. So, so I appreciate the realistic response. <laughs> Uh, Jessica, I'll just ask you, we get a closing question for both. Well, not closing. I have one more surprise question for you. Uh, but, but this question, let me ask you, what would you tell people that are still looking that, that still haven't found their role yet? They've been doing this. Uh, we talked to a gentleman, we love him. We've known him for ages, but he's coming up on a year of trying to find the right job. That's a good match for him, uh, and his skills and what he wants to do in the space, but he's having a tough time. What do you, what do you tell people who've been dealing with this for quite a while? Gosh, I know it sounds so corny and people say connection, 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 but I I do believe that that's what it's about. Um, I didn't have one interview or one conversation that was based off of somebody sourcing my resume 
or me applying to something. I always applied to the role, but I I have also leveraged my network to make introductions or um, if I saw a role that I didn't know anybody at that company, I looked up who's the recruiter that posted it. Or I looked up, it says, you know, reporting to the EVP of HR. And I was like, who's the EVP of HR at X company? And then I would email them. And there's a lot that comes from that, whether I've also had networking conversations, people have reached out to me from other companies that said, hey, you're in a role that I aspire to be in. You've worked at some great companies. I would love to continue to network with you. I just, it takes a lot of time, right? Building relationships, building networks, building connections, it takes time and it can't be because you need to just gain something from it. The connections that I've built over a period of time are all because they are mutually beneficial. I think the other piece of advice, and I know that this is hard because there's a mentality of more is more. I maybe applied to 25 jobs. And I know that that's, I, I am incredibly lucky. Um, but I was really picky. And I didn't want to apply to roles that I thought I was underqualified for or incredibly overqualified for that I wouldn't be considered because I was muddying the waters for somebody else, right? I was one of the 500 resumes that was being looked at when somebody else that was probably really qualified for the role wasn't being looked at because the recruiter was fatigued, right? And so I was really aware of my process of research, apply, find somebody and being really diligent in that rather than just firing off 500 um, resumes. I'm not saying my approach is the right approach. I was just trying to read all the feedback on LinkedIn about how many applicants and then step into those shoes and say, okay, I'm going to just be one less in this pool. Well, I mean, you exemplify, I mean, what a, a, an amazing amount of empathy uh, you know, to, to, to be a little more selective and not play the numbers game. Cause in a lot of cases it's a numbers game, but not, not just because of your experience, but also because of the experience of the TA people on the other side of that, trying to get through 3000 resumes to Brandy's point. Wow. I applaud that. That's really admirable. Yeah. Brandy, uh, what about you? What, what would you tell folks that are, that are still looking? Uh, I think one thing that I definitely got bogged down during the short amount of time that I was looking was being in my house in the same spot, applying to the same jobs over and over and over again. So to people that are currently looking, I'd say get into a new environment and get out of your house, go to a Starbucks, go to your favorite coffee shop, go to a park. Um, there's hotspots and Wi-Fi and a million different ways to apply for jobs today. But I think one thing is changing your environment so you're in a better positive attitude uh, is super helpful because the days that I was just slamming and jamming on my computer, sending out networking invites, connecting with people in the same space constantly, in the same office that I got laid off in, it just brought up a lot of negativity. And then the days that I actually got out of the house or was applying from my phone at a Starbucks, having my favorite drink or whatever it may be, um, it was a lot easier. Or even when I saw you guys here in Las Vegas and just got to meet different people and feel that energy um, from having different networking events and different people around you and having that positivity come out, uh, it was way more helpful to have that energy to kind of keep you on the straight and narrow and that positive mindset. And I think that helps 
in a lot of ways, keep you on track and keep you motivated and keep you going through what could be a year long process or an 18 month process, um, which is unfortunate. And I feel for those people. And if there's, you know, anything that any of us can do, I feel like we can all need to reach out a hand and add more lending hands out um, to anyone else and TA that we can't. Yeah, I love that. And I love to change the environment. We're all, for those who might be listening on a, on a treadmill or Stairmaster or whatever, uh, and not watching, uh, all of us are nodding our heads, like ch change the environment. Even, you know, I work from home. I've got a great space at home, but mm -hmm. at the same time, like sometimes I just go to a remote office. Sometimes yeah. I'll just change it up a little bit. So I imagine that that would help that headspace quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, all right. So I'll just say this one thing that I've got a last question for you. I want to remind everybody. So Jerry and I talked about this program and our guest mentioned it. It's community up. Uh, there we go. We got a link. We'll throw it up on the screen. It's cxr.org slash up. If you are interested, you want to pass that along to somebody else. Uh, we still are looking to help folks who are in transition. Uh, we got a number of resources, maybe the community, maybe it's not a right fit for you at this time. I guarantee you we've still got something that might be super helpful. Uh, and some people that we can connect you to and talk to. So we want to help you on that journey. Uh, with that, Jessica, I'll start with you because you're at the top of my screen. If you were going to write a book about your experience, this this transition, this this period of being on the move, what would the title of that book be? Patience. <laughs> Patience. All right. I love it. So uh, I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but, but present company excluded and this is such a cheat for Brandy because now she's getting all the prep, but pre present company excluded. Who gets your first signed copy? Um, which company? Oh, gosh. Who? Personal, like, individual, up to you. Lowe's. You <laughs> everything was signed yes. Copy, signed copy to all of the Lowe's people. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, everything over there is like it needed it yesterday. Um, Patience or introspection? I feel like this has been a very, a, a very reflective time. Good for you. I love it. Brandy, how about you? What, what would be the name of your book based on this experience? Uh, transparency. I love it. And, and your first signed copy? Uh, probably my husband, because he had to deal with my attitude about being not working for two months. <laughs> Uh, and I feel for him on that. So he definitely gets the first signed copy. <laughs> I love it. Was he that? Was he the person that sent you to the Starbucks to go work? Yeah, I think he he definitely <laughs> kicked me out of the house. <laughs> I was like, please <laughs> leave and go find joy elsewhere. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. Well, look, uh, Jerry and I are super grateful for your time, both of you, uh, yeah, to make the time to come in and chat with us. We, we're just so grateful. So much, much gratitude. Um, and then the one last reminder, cxr.org slash up. If you're interested in talking to us about that or you want to share that forward. And with that, I think we're going to say goodbye to everybody and put you guys in the green room. Don't go anywhere. Okay. That's All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks everybody. And uh, to the listeners and the watchers, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career xroads. We'll catch you next time. Everybody, everybody's got a milestone birthday.
hopefully they have more than one actually as i say that jerry and i uh celebrated two milestones was it last i guess it was last year jerry yes 75 and 50. 75 and 50. uh jerry's 75. i'm 50. just just in case you guys didn't know there's any confusion <laughs> yeah any confusion uh i will tell you back on the circuit you know we're back out at the conferences and i every almost every person i walked up to was like oh you got a little more gray right there and i thought you know i didn't miss any of you I didn't miss any of you <laughs> working from home any um you know oh go ahead Jerry. where did we where did we celebrate chris uh we were at burning man yeah we were oh that's a good one yeah third third round at burning man actually that's awesome yeah it didn't didn't suck yeah it was pretty great <laughs> uh although the weather is a lot nicer this year i hear it's being much nicer to everybody that's there we're missing it this year so 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 everybody gets my you don't have to say which milestone uh do, do you have a does anybody have a milestone birthday this year or right right around I did have a milestone birthday this year. So just turned 40. This is a big year. Turned 40, 10-year anniversary, all in the same year. Um, so lots of fun things. We celebrated in St. Bart's. So um, yeah, it was great. It was right before I was impacted in my prior role. And so it was great celebration to um, to have right before that. But yeah, it was great. My husband and I and another couple. Cool. Good for so you. Checking off the bucket list. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, great. Brandy, what about you? You got a you got a milestone here or there? You're doing something for it. So I I had a milestone birthday last June. So um, three girlfriends and I all turned thirty within like a week and a half of each other because we were all like. June 17th, June 20th, and June 29th. And so the three of us went out to Rhode Island in Newport because we'd never been and we toured around and saw the area. Um, but I think my favorite milestone birthday was when I was 21 in Paris and I turned 21 while we were in Paris. So I feel like that's like my epitome milestone birthday. That's pretty cool. Did you do that by design? We did do that by design. Uh, a girlfriend and I were backpacking after we graduated college early at 20, and we were both turning 21 in June. So I turned 21 in Paris, and then she turned 21 in Nice, France. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love that. Well, that so that makes this kind of interesting, right? So we have yeah. 30, 40, 50, and 70. Yeah. So, so, so I was trying not to jump. I was 70 wise. I 70 wise, Jerry. 70 wise. Well, for sure. He's crushing it. He's crushing the age. But the point being, we have some perspectives here that are, that are representative of the topic we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Well, are we ready to get going? Yep. Do it. Ready. Okay. Here we go. Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another Recruiting Community Podcast. Uh, I am your host today. I'm, I'm just going to be Chris Hoyt today as we kick this off. Uh, no made-up names, but I am going to be the only person on the show today that has a Dolly Parton shirt on, and you're just going to have to deal with it. I am going to bring in my partner in crime, Mr. Jerry Crispin. Jerry, how are you today? 
I just noticed the Dolly Parton thing. Yeah, isn't it great? Okay. It's great. I think it says, originally, when I went to pick it out, I thought it said F around and find out, uh, which is a famous, here, it's a famous Dolly Parton quote, but I think it actually says, find what you love and then do, do more. I think it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fun shirt. Uh, but, but, but with that, uh, how are you today? You're doing well. I am. I'm, I'm feeling really good. It was uh, a good day. Lots of interesting things happening and I enjoyed the, uh, the earlier version of community up where we had uh, a whole host of folks that were uh, supporting each other. So it was kind of cool. We did. We did. It's a good call out. So you mentioned that let's explain to folks who maybe don't know, uh, what community up is. You do a much more elegant uh, explanation of that than I do. Why don't you take it away and I'll, I'll throw the URL up on the screen. No, I don't. But I, sure you do. Sure you do. But, uh, but you know, we 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 got to a point, I think, where where we as a community felt that we had to walk the talk. You know, I mean, uh, this this whole issue with people in transition is is an issue for us, um, not only currently, but I think long term. And so we we basically launched a program where those folks who are leaders in talent acquisition and in transition, we offered them free membership uh, to participate and build relationships and learn from each other. And I think it adds value for them during the course of that transition. Yeah. And it's been fun because we've met some folks uh, that we have known quite some. In fact, we might have a five-time alumni uh, <laughs> with us today. We met some folks that we have seen even within a membership. And then we met some folks that we had never we had never interacted with before who are just re really great people. And I, it should be called out. And I don't know if I said it on the call earlier. We interviewed over 200 plus people yeah. uh, for consideration for this. And I think we landed at around 40 or so uh, that we felt met the criteria of community, what we call community and, and work family, uh, really cared about the industry. We were willing to share about that work uh, and, re and really, and I'll steal this from you, Jerry, and really just show up. These were people yeah. that were willing to show up. And, and even those that can't take as much advantage of our community uh, for their their period of transition. So those those other 160, uh, we offered a lot of other ideas and and resources that we are building yes. uh, for them as well. So yeah, nobody left in the corner. No one, no one left alone. All, all, everybody that we spoke to got got resources, and we we still do talk to. They just they weren't put in this program, but they were most definitely assisted. 100. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, so let's do this. Let's bring in, we have two fantastic guests uh, who have some success stories in kind of a challenging challenging time. So I'm gonna bring them in from the green room. I'm the, the puppet master of the, of the podcast. Uh, let, let's start, we'll just go top left. It's my Brady Bunch grid that's on the screen. And let me, a quick reminder, I forgot to say, I got so excited. Uh, if you're watching us uh, and, and you're on LinkedIn and seeing this stream on LinkedIn, there is chat. Uh, feature that's there. So drop a question in there, share your LinkedIn profile, uh, let us know that you saw this, say hello. Uh, you're going to be able to connect with uh, both of our guests today as well as Jerry and I. Uh, and we we come back to those. So if we see that a note's been added even after it live streamed or even after we were, we were on the air, uh, we do come back and we follow up with those. So feel free to drop a note in there, say hello to everybody. So with that, uh, Jessica, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Chris? I'm good. I'm good. And Brandy, how are you doing? Good. Good. All right. We're glad both of you could join us. We're going to start with you, Jessica, really quickly. Uh, why don't you give us sort of an escalator pitch of who is Jessica Willard? How long have you been in TA? Uh, and and we'll, we'll kind of take it from there. Tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Sure. Um, thanks for having me today. Uh, Jessica Willard, I'm based in Charlotte, North Carolina. I have been in talent acquisition for about 17 years. Um, spent my first 11 years in early talent, um, started with Target Corporation, and then moved on to Ingersoll Rand, uh, working in early talent there before supporting uh, train commercial for that business. Moved over to Lowe's and did high volume hourly during the pandemic, which was an incredible experience and had an opportunity to help build out talent on the acquisition at Bass Pro Shops. Um, still a little secret squirrel, but I will be joining Wells Fargo in September, back on the early I'm Really excited to be here. You even got background music for that. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brandy, why, uh, why don't you take center stage? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Chris. And thanks again for having me today. Um, it, uh, it's been a fun career. So I started in talent acquisition about 10 years ago in the uh, agency and staffing world with Lucas Group, uh, which unfortunately no longer exists. Uh, Corn Ferry has now absorbed them. Uh, but they, uh, I specialized in headhunting, HR, and uh, talent acquisition professionals and then came over to the dark side of corporate, as we used to call it, an agency, um, about five years ago. And so I've spent my last about four and a half years in the tech whirlwind of talent acquisition, which has been super fun, um, until I was most recently uh, laid off from Poshmark uh, about in February of 2023, but luckily um, jumped back into the game of talent acquisition by May. Um, and now in a completely different industry of securing America's future with the Nevada national security sites. So um, I've gotten a taste of a lot of different industries, which has been super fun. I love that. Look, so, so both of you um, uh, have landed at some pretty solid organizations and you were, you were caught up in this big era of transition, this, you know, this big point where a lot of really, really hardworking uh, and well-qualified leaders uh, and TA practitioners just just sort of got stuck looking for work. Uh, in many cases, got swept up in that. So, I guess my my question to each of you and Brandy, we, we can come back to you because you spoke last. Was there a in in that search? Was there really a surprising uh, challenge that you faced while sort of looking in this this crazy weird market that we're in? Was there was there was it was it a shock to you? Was it much harder to find the work? Like, just was there an aha or an OMG moment that you share? Yeah, um, actually, for a couple of different uh, situations, um, I had known other people that were hiring in talent acquisition, uh, and the vast majority of them were like, I have 1500 resumes to look through. I have 3000 resumes to look through. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to get through all these individuals. And it had been very rare that even when I've posted to have people join my team in talent acquisition, that I would ever get 1,500 or 3,000 resumes for a recruiter position uh, per se. So I think that was the aha slash, oh my God, what am I going to do to compete against 3,000 other resumes? Um, and, and it really just came down to more networking, like with people like yourself and Community Up or others that I had worked with in the past or at SHRM uh, in general. And luckily, that is kind of how I found a role was my networking through people I had known at SHRM previously that were hiring here locally in Las Vegas. 
my God. I don't think I ever would have imagined someone saying, hey, SHRM, help me help me find a recruiting job. <laughs> right. I, you could not have paid me to say that um, a long time <laughs> yeah, ago. Yeah, it's surprising. But it was a random contact that was working at this company that I had met at SHRM here in Las Vegas four years ago. Fabulous. It tells, um, you that, it tells you that it, you have to look everywhere. You have to look everywhere. Yeah. No stone unturned, yeah. No stone unturned. So, just, so you knew it was bad, but once you were in the space, you, you felt it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's tough. Je Jessica, how about you? Was was there an OMG or an, an aha moment for you in, in, in your search? Yeah, I think that there were, there were many that I could share with you. I think the really pivotal change in this job search was the number of companies that are requiring a hybrid or in-office situation. And so that certainly limits the number of opportunities that are, that are available if you're not open to relocate. And so that really narrowed my search down to staying in Charlotte and working for companies that would have um, really kind of the culture, the type of role, um, the commuting distance, all of the things that would be relevant um, and workable for me and my family. But I think that that was the real big um, difference in this job market and challenge in finding a role was um, how the market is shifting after COVID more back into an office or hybrid preference. Yeah, interesting. So m most people would think early days, right, when all of this started, is that it would be easier because everybody's working remote in that place. But, but, but not the case. You were almost back to back to old school days when you had to talk about, well, where would I be willing to pick my family up and, and sort of transplant to? Absolutely. And for me, it was hugely different because I was telling my new boss, I've never actually been required to be in an office in 17 years. So like, how would this work for me? Right. And so I think that there's a lot of people out there that are really trying to figure out what that means for them and their families and childcare dynamics, et cetera. Um, as you know, companies are starting to announce their their policies. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jessica, has that job search experience? All and I know you said you had many things to share, but has that job search experience influenced maybe how you will approach leading parts of TA or or people within TA? Has there been a fundamental shift at all? Or are you like nah, but, but you know, back to normal, back to work? No, I don't think there's any back to normal, right? I've done a lot of reflection over the, the last several months on my experience. I think one of the things that actually also surprised me were the number of job descriptions that weren't fully accurate as part of the process. And so as a TA leader um, and in engaging with talent, I think it's just so critical that the process, whether it's short or long, is representative of helping a candidate fully understand what the role is, how they'll be spending their time, how they'll be making a difference, answering all of their questions. And while I know there's a lot of complaints out there right now of like six, seven interviews and you should only have two or three, I found myself in processes where I was at the end and I didn't really understand the job. Right. And so there was this need to rush through it. And I was like, well, time out. Like, I need you to slow down. Um, and so I think just as a TA leader, making sure that as people, whether they're business leaders, TA leaders, HR leaders are going through these processes with candidates that we're not trying to put a butt in a seat 
and we're really trying to slow down to be thoughtful around right candidate, right place, right time. Yeah, I, I hear you saying at first, at first I heard you say that the job description, and in my mind, I was yeah. thinking the, po the posting that you applied yeah. to was bad. And then I'm thinking, yeah, so what? It's always bad. Like that's a one thing we've just never fixed. Yeah. <laughs> but then you're like, we just haven't. We haven't. 30 years I've been in TA, job descriptions are still shit. I mean, they're just, they're not great. So yeah. by and large, but, but then what I heard you say, and that, that changed it a little bit for me, my yeah. perspective is you were talking about through the process, it still wasn't clear. No. So, I mean, there were times where I thought the job description was actually more clear than the process. And then you get into the process and you're like, oh yeah, no, this isn't exactly what this means. This is something totally different, which then those six conversations I had had, I was like, oh, Okay, so actually, I probably do need another several more conversations to feel confident in accepting an offer. Um, I was really fortunate. Wells Fargo had a really wonderful process. My recruitment um, leaders were great. And actually, I ended up accepting a role that I hadn't started an interview process for. I was interviewing for something else, got to the final round, and you know, kind of it was one of those situations where she was like, I think you'd be better fit over here, which was great for me because it was a role that I was more interested in. So, you know, I think there is an art and a science behind this whole process and the speed in which a process goes can really benefit or hinder that matchmaking that happens. It also seems there should be some clarity around who's responsible for what decision. Sure. I mean, there's the decision the employer has to make as to whether you can do the job, whatever that job happens to be. But there's also then an, an important decision you have to make sure. that that this is a job I want to do, you know. Absolutely. It's a two-way street. Well, so Wells has been... Um... Wells Fargo has been a, a member of ours for years uh, and we love the TA team there. But I, I will say that it sounds to me like a testament that people were listening because one of the big complaints you always hear is recruiters aren't listening. But if you had a recruiter and in the, at the end of the process, it says, oh, but wait, maybe not this job, but we may have another one because of something I heard you say or some skills that I've seen here or some like they're paying attention to the process. I think it speaks volumes for Wells, but it, it does kind of make you realize that, you know, the other five interviews I did for this organization over here, just that they got a, they got a long way to go. Sure. The maturity in the TA space from company to company, doesn't matter how big or small it is. I mean, it runs the, the gamut. So, yeah. Well, uh, Brandy, let's ask you, is your recent job search experience, has it, has it influenced uh, any changes in maybe your approach to TA? Uh, I think it reaffirms more than it changes that I think transparency is still the number one thing that has to happen in a, an experience. And similar to what Jessica was saying is if you're not telling people what the process is throughout each step, if you're not prepping your candidates, if you're not debriefing with your candidates, if you're not connecting from the get-go, um, you're going to lose talent or you're going to lose interest and people will always reflect that back on your brand and your employer brand in general. And so there were a lot of companies that would say, oh yeah, I'm going to schedule an interview with you. And then I was just straight up ghosted and never heard from again. And all I needed was a, Hey, actually we decided to go in a different direction. You're, you don't live where I want you to live or whatever it may be. Right. Like there's always a reason why we might be rejecting somebody and that's, 
it's not that the rejection piece is the bad part. It's the not knowing what happened at all. And so the amount of ghosting that happened, if I can eliminate that as much as possible within my current organization, then just getting everyone a transparent answer of yes, you're still in the process or no, you're not. I think that's that's been reaffirmed uh, throughout the the search process that I had this this spring. Well, I love that. But, you know, some some would argue that because we are hearing that across the board from from T.A. folks who are looking for work, the, the ghosting is a real issue. But some would argue that that we as an industry have been doing that to candidates since the dawn of time. From the dawn of time, yeah. Do, do we think that that our perspective at large, because we have hundreds, if not thousands of TA leaders and TA influencers who are looking for work and now feeling that pain, mm-hmm. uh, do, do we think that's going to change or do you think we're going to go back to business as usual? Anybody? I think... I think it somewhat depends. Again, I don't know how you get back to 3000 people on a job posting, no matter who that is um, efficiently. I hope that there's a way to have a sourcing process or a talent partner or a talent coordinator that can make sure that everyone receives an email to that. But do I think that's realistic all the time? I don't know. And you're you're probably going to have 10% of ghosting naturally happen no matter what. But if we can change it from being 60 and 70% of ghosting down to 10 or 20%, I think that's a realistic thing that we could prevent as an industry. Yeah, Jessica, what's your take? Yeah, you know, I think it's inevitable that it'll happen, right? I, I just think saying it'll never happen again isn't realistic. I do think, you know, I feel for recruiters out there right now, there are an incredible amount of applicants and it you can't be everything to everybody. And so I think it then goes back to the transparency and having really good routines around organization and keeping your candidates warm and companies investing in CRMs, right? Like making sure that we have the tools for the recruiters to really put candidate experience first um, and really be thoughtful around turnaround times and transparency and process. But I, I don't know if we can ever say never. I just think that we need to be better, right? Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that's fair. All right, so I'm a so, realist, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I think the technology is a is a big it helper is. in that. And I, Brandy makes a great point. Like when when you just have to, when you're not staffed properly, right? Yeah. And when when your folks are just worked to the bone. There's no way that they can physically get to each of them themselves. That's why we have technology. That's why we have automations. And, and that does come from uh, those buying decisions don't happen at a recruiter level, right? That Those come at a leadership level. Uh, and sometimes it's outside of even the TA leaders um, uh, purview. Like they, they don't get to be the check writer for the, the solution and they're stuck with what they're stuck with and just trying to make the best of it. So, so I appreciate the realistic response. <laughs> Uh, Jessica, I'll just ask you, we get a closing question for both. Well, not closing. I have one more surprise question for you. Uh, but, but this question, let me ask you, what would you tell people that are still looking that, that still haven't found their role yet? They've been doing this. Uh, we talked to a gentleman, we love him. We've known him for ages, but he's coming up on a year of trying to find the right job. That's a good match for him, uh, and his skills and what he wants to do in the space, but he's having a tough time. What do you, what do you tell people who've been dealing with this for quite a while? Gosh, I know it sounds so corny and people say connection, 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 but I I do believe that that's what it's about. Um, 
I didn't have one interview or one conversation that was based off of somebody sourcing my resume or me applying to something. I always applied to the role, but I I have also leveraged my network to make introductions or um, if I saw a role that I didn't know anybody at that company, I looked up who's the recruiter that posted it. Or I looked up, it says, you know, reporting to the EVP of HR. And I was like, who's the EVP of HR at X company? And then I would email them. And there's a lot that comes from that, whether I've also had networking conversations, people have reached out to me from other companies that said, hey, you're in a role that I aspire to be in. You've worked at some great companies. I would love to continue to network with you. I just... It takes a lot of time, right? Building relationships, building networks, building connections. It takes time and it can't be because you need to just gain something from it. The connections that I've built over a period of time are all because they are mutually beneficial. I think the other piece of advice, and I know that this is hard because there's a mentality of more is more. I maybe applied to 25 jobs. And I know that that's, I, I am incredibly lucky, um, but I was really picky and I didn't want to apply to roles that I thought I was underqualified for or incredibly overqualified for that I wouldn't be considered because I was muddying the waters for somebody else, right? I was one of the 500 resumes that was being looked at when somebody else that was probably really qualified for the role wasn't being looked at because the recruiter was fatigued. Right. And so I was really aware of my process of research, apply, find somebody and being really diligent in that rather than just firing off 500 um, resumes. I'm not saying my approach is the right approach. I was just trying to read all the feedback on LinkedIn about how many applicants and then step into those shoes and say, okay, I'm going to just be one less in this pool. Well, I mean, you exemplify, I mean, what a, an amazing amount of empathy, uh, you know, to, to, to be a little more selective and not play the numbers game. Cause in a lot of cases it's a numbers game, but not, not just because of your experience, but also because of the experience of the TA people on the other side of that, trying to get through 3000 resumes to Brandy's point. Wow. I applaud that. That's really admirable. Yeah. Brandy, uh, what about you? What, what would you tell folks that are, that are still looking? Uh, I think one thing that I definitely got bogged down during the short amount of time that I was looking was being in my house in the same spot, applying to the same jobs over and over and over again. So to people that are currently looking, I'd say get into a new environment and get out of your house, go to a Starbucks, go to your favorite coffee shop, go to a park. Um, there's hotspots and Wi-Fi and a million different ways to apply for jobs today. But I think one thing is changing your environment so you're in a better positive attitude uh, is super helpful because the days that I was just slamming and jamming on my computer, sending out networking invites, connecting with people in the same space constantly, in the same office that I got laid off in, it just brought up a lot of negativity. And then the days that I actually got out of the house or was applying from my phone at a Starbucks, having my favorite drink or whatever it may be, um, it was a lot easier. Or even when I saw you guys here in Las Vegas and just got to meet different people and feel that energy um, from having different networking events and different people around you and having that positivity come out. 
uh, it was way more helpful to have that energy to kind of keep you on the straight and narrow and that positive mindset. And I think that helps in a lot of ways, keep you on track and keep you motivated and keep you going through what could be a year long process or an 18 month process, um, which is unfortunate. And I feel for those people. And if there's, you know, anything that any of us can do, I feel like we all need to reach out a hand and add more lending hands out um, to anyone else and TA that we can't. Yeah, I love that. And I love the change the environment. We're all, for those who might be listening on a, on a treadmill or Stairmaster or whatever, uh, and not watching, uh, all of us are nodding our heads, like ch change the environment. Even, you know, I work from home. I've got a great space at home, but mm -hmm. at the same time, like sometimes I just go to a remote office. Sometimes yeah. I'll just change it up a little bit. So I imagine that that would help that headspace quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, all right. So I'll just say this one thing that I've got a last question for you. I want to remind everybody. So Jerry and I had talked about this program and our guest mentioned it. It's community up. Uh, there we go. We got a link. We'll throw it up on the screen. It's cxr.org slash up. If you are interested, you want to pass that along to somebody else. Uh, we still are looking to help folks who are in transition. Uh, we got a number of resources, maybe the community, maybe it's not a right fit for you at this time. I guarantee you we've still got something that might be super helpful. Uh, and some people that we can connect you to and talk to. So we want to help you on that journey. Uh, with that, Jessica, I'll start with you because you're at the top of my screen. If you were going to write a book about your experience, this this transition, this this period of being on the move, what would the title of that book be? Patience. <laughs> Patience. All right. I love it. So uh, I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but, but present company excluded and this is such a cheat for Brandy because now she's getting all the prep, but pre present company excluded. Who gets your first signed copy? Um, which company? Oh, gosh. Who? Personal, like, individual, up to you. Lowe's. You <laughs> everything was yes. Signed copy to all of the Lowe's people. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, everything over there is like it needed it yesterday. Um, Patience or introspection? I feel like this has been a very, a, a very reflective time. Good for you. I love it. Brandy, how about you? What, what would be the name of your book based on this experience? Uh, transparency. I love it. And, and your first signed copy? Uh, probably my husband, because he had to deal with my attitude about being not working for two months. <laughs> Uh, and I feel for him on that. So he definitely gets the first signed copy. <laughs> I love it. Was he that? Was he the person that sent you to the Starbucks to go work? Yeah, I think he he definitely <laughs> kicked me out of the house. <laughs> I was like, please <laughs> leave and go find joy elsewhere. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. Well, look, uh, Jerry and I are super grateful for your time, both of you, uh, yeah, to make the time to come in and chat with us. We, we're just so grateful. So much, much gratitude. Um, and then the one last reminder, cxr.org slash up. If you're interested in talking to us about that or you want to share that forward. And with that, I think we're going to say goodbye to everybody and put you guys in the green room. Don't go anywhere. Okay. That's All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks everybody. And uh, to the listeners and the watchers, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time.